You are now locked in to a TSP show exclusive. Go. So one of the ways that you can increase your prices and your clients not feel it is just take a deposit, right? So if I go up on my price right by like $400, because I, I literally went up, like this is a real life example. I went up from doing haircuts for $50 to $350. Like I didn't even think about it. I was just like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Click. What's up, family? Welcome to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. I'm your host, Lamar Tyler. And today, we're going to give you the game on how you can become a six-figure stylist when it comes to beauty and hair. And it's a lot of nuggets, right? Like, even if you say, Lamar, I'm not a stylist, it's a lot of nuggets that you can pick up to implement in your business today. And I'm joined by my good friend, longtime TSP Mastermind fam, Gabrielle Allen, uh, who is a stylist, a salon owner, um, she's a social media influencer, right? Strawberry Curls. They're like, oh, this Strawberry Curl. I don't know her real name. Strawberry Curls out here, right? Strawberry, <laughs> Strawberry Curls. Uh, what's going on? You good? Yeah, I'm good. How you doing? I'm also educated. I forgot educated. You're doing like a lot right now, yeah. both um, out of your salon, but then I see you traveling all the time. I see you training and teaching. Let me ask you real quick before we get started. Which part of that do you love the most? The The teaching. I love the teaching the most, um, the teaching and traveling part, but obviously it's the teaching um, because the travel goes with it. Because when I see my students in person, like if they see me at a show or something, they'll stop me and tell me like how much I've helped their business, how much I've transformed them and stuff like that, like their mindset. So that actually makes me like feel like, OK, you're doing what's right. Like, keep going because it's actually having an impact on people. I love it. I love it. Now, uh, for the people who don't know, one of the things I say is you are like a uh, social media influencer, been for a while. Um, tell people that in case they all know they can go look, look at your credentials. Yeah, so I am an influencer. My um Instagram name is Strawberry Curls with the I, not a Y. I'm the same thing on everything on TikTok, on YouTube. I'm most active on YouTube and Instagram. What's the craziest part? You got, you got like over 100,000 people or something like around. Um, I have like 135K on Instagram, and I just, well, I'm at like 104,000 on YouTube. That was quick. That escalated quick. Quick. That escalated quick. Quick. It was so quick, and I wasn't. I wasn't really expecting it uh, because the topics that I was talking about to me weren't controversial. But because people have been like miseducated on YouTube for the longest, I was like speaking against it, and honestly, didn't even realize it. I was just educating people based on my experiences in the salon, and then it just took off. Mm. That was good, right? So that even might be a nugget for viewers, because a lot of time I think people, I I hear people in conversations all the time say they feel differently than what the masses say or talk about or what maybe some of the bigger people that may have bigger followings or get more run of publicity talk about, but they don't actually share their and voice their opinions online. So just by, you know, sharing your truth, you was like, hey, I don't really agree with everybody say. Right. And you wasn't even doing nothing crazy, but just by sharing your truth, it started to get a lot of eyeballs and then catapulted you up to success and look like. Yeah, it was literally, so my entire career started off with controversy, to be honest with you. Really? I didn't yeah. know this, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if you remember, you know, because me and you met in the online space, right? right? So I don't know if you ever actually looked at any of my stuff. But when I was younger, like in my early 20s, because I started like when I was like 21, right? Um, I was kind of like, I went natural, right? And at the time I was in a relationship and he didn't like my hair, right? So 
I had garnered a following on Tumblr and Twitter. And at the time, I was completely ignorant to how many people actually read my stuff, right? So I did a post. We, me and him were talking on Skype one night. And I had been trying to get him to do an interview with me. And he was like, you can just use the Skype interview. So in the Skype interview, he was like, <laughs> He probably regretted this after the fact. <laughs> he was living for us. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, that's how they feel. We're going to add more. We're going to put some fire on this, right? So he was basically saying, like, making jokes like he liked Asian, silky hair. You know, he was like, Sue Yen to let me uh, caress her hair and stuff. Well, let me touch it. So I posted it on my blog, and my readers ate him alive. I didn't even know I had that many people following me. Like, it went on for, like, and this was like in the early blogging years. So, you know, when you get a lot of comments on a blog post, like back then, it was like, oh, we, we, we got something special. It really was. We got something here. So then he read it and he wanted to do a part two and he responded. And then that was a huge thing. Right. So it just kept going from there. Um, I would talk about like how men felt about our hair. I would talk about general education, the education that I did have. Because uh, looking back on it, knowing what I know now, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going wrong there. But, you know, you know better, you do better. Um, and I, I didn't actually plan to become a hairstylist, but, it, you know, it happened. Um, so I've never shied away from talking about, like, controversial things or things that somebody else might consider yeah. taboo. Now, I feel like part of your, in the end, kind of usually reminded me this when you were talking, part of your story I feel like is different as well is that you started online talking about hair, but then later went and became a professional in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what a college school, like, you went, you know, and got your, um, uh, you know, certifications for the state or whatever you actually need. Yeah. Where a lot of people, I feel like online, did opt. Just be doing stuff. Like, all, all they just be doing stuff. I be like, I only, I got the followers, I got the money, I'm getting the fame. I don't really need to technically go somewhere yeah. to master the trade. Right. Like, why? If I'm doing this yeah. tutorial online, I, all these, you know, I get 10,000 YouTube views. Like, why do I need to actually go and legally get the things? Like, like what right. was it for you that, you said, hey, you know what? I'm going to become a, a certified professional, not just an influencer. That stuff. So it was, and I told the story before, it was actually my grandfather who told me to go to school to be a hairstylist. Um, I was actually in college, and I was actually in tech before. Um, but it was around the time where they started forcing those student loans on us. And my, my older sister had just graduated on all grants. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> like, I'm good on this. Um, so I had been kind of praying. No, I ain't kind of. I had been praying about it because I was really stuck. And my grandfather kept suggesting, like, go to school to be a hairstylist because you already have the following. He knew about my blog. I mean, he older. He don't know nothing about it. But he and his to him, he was like, it increased your credibility. Yeah. Right. And it was like you keep hearing stuff. You keep hearing stuff. And I was like, I keep praying about this, but I keep ignoring the answer because I really don't want to do it. And it was like a whole year before I finally broke down and was like, okay, I'm just gonna go. Um, so when I got in school, I, and this is a, a flex, I ran past all of my classmates. So I was like, okay, that's something here. That's something mm -hmm. here. Um, and I actually paid my tuition with my blogging money. Wow. I wasn't working at all. I, I, I quit my job. I went to cosmetology school. I was trying to get out like quick. Um, cause the program was only supposed to be a year, but the school that I went to, if you didn't pay your tuition, you couldn't take your test. <laughs> So it just so happened at the time the World Natural Hair Show reached out to me and he wanted to do a sponsored spot on my blog or whatnot. So I was getting paid monthly for my banner ad, not doing anything but what I was already doing and going to school. So I took that money and I paid my tuition. Nice. Yeah. Did you see a difference in 
the way your audience regarded you after that? I'm just curious. Are they like, or they like, we don't really care about that. We just want them tips. So, <laughs> so they, they, it took a while. So it wasn't like I graduated, got my license, boom, clientele. It did not happen like that. Yeah. I really thought it was going to happen like that. Like, because let me ask you before you say that, before that, were people coming to you? Because I know you were, I, I'm assuming like you were talking about yourself yeah. and your hair and stuff. But yeah. before that, were people coming to you? Yeah. To, okay, so you already, okay. Yeah, I was already helping them to the best that I could. But again, looking back on it, what I know now. Yeah. You know, it's different. So, yeah. All right. But you said it wasn't, so it wasn't immediate nah. after that. But it just still was like continual. Yeah. Work your way up to it. Right. Yeah. I so I when I when I was done with school, I kept blogging, but having to be behind the chair and blogging was a lot, especially since I had just started behind the chair. So I didn't really understand the magnitude of the responsibility and how taxing it was on your body and on your mind and all of that stuff. So I had to give some I to, I really had to like stop blogging. Um and just kind of so focus on my social media because it was just easier than writing. Yeah. You know. Um, so once I got out of school, you know, I read my mind. I thought, oh, I got this audience. Well, it's about to be up. Blood crickets. <laughs> crickets. Crickets. It was a good year before I actually really started to get, like, a seriously consistent clientele. Because, one, I also found out that people didn't know that I lived in New Orleans. Like, to this day, people still don't think I live in New Orleans. And it's crazy because I got it plastered everywhere. You know, um, but it took a while. It took some strategy. It took some thinking through it to see how to maximize what I already had to get butts in the chair. That's good. All right. So that's the perfect segue because I want to talk about how you've kind of built now, um, you know, what you've built um, in the industry with so many myths, misconceptions, misconceptions, so many topics of taboo, right? Um, And you're kind of shattering and breaking through a lot of that stuff. First, when we talk about like how somebody can build uh, and overcome a six-figure stylist, right? Or build a, you know, six-figure, multiple six-figure salon. One of the main things that you're talking about is pricing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on, because I see also, if y'all haven't seen the Golden Strawberry, because it's quite entertaining. Eve Roosevelt <laughs> is not in the industry. It's, it's quite entertaining. Where it talks about money. And yeah, to see yeah. the comments. I was like, you know, in my free time, I like scrolling to the comments. Oh, your free time? See what's going on. I can't comment on that. You know, there. you know, they're not really open to dudes commenting on stuff like that. But I didn't like what you know, know about that. Right, exactly. So I just they did them bald on top of that so they going, I already heard all the comments. Yeah. All right. So I just kinda of scrolled down and enjoy oh, fair. And giggle on my own. Yeah. But what is that with this thing of, of, of pricing as it relates to it? Because I've I've seen a huge conversation of, you know, people like yourself saying, Hey, you know what? You should be charging more. Like if you are a stylist. If you've gone to school, if you're certified by the state, you're doing the right things, you should be charging more. This is the reason why. Um, and maybe start there, like, like why should they be charging? Uh, hold on, let me ask you, let me take back. Do most people undercharge, you think? Absolutely. Okay, so why should the people undercharge be charging more? Because they can't deliver the type of customer experience that they want to at the prices that they're at for a few reasons. One, when you're not making enough money, you get desperate. Like you get into survival mode, right? So where you could be taking five people a day, you're taking 10. And now you have people trapped in the salon and they can't leave. They had an appointment at let's say 11 o'clock. They're not leaving till like 7 p.m. for a service that only took an hour, right? 
as a customer, like, I'm not going to want to come back. You know, but if you were charging more, you wouldn't have to schedule yourself like that. You could schedule yourself with less people, but make more money and keep the customer experience intact. Also, you're happier to get up in the morning when you're making more money. That's true. As opposed to trying to do 20 heads in one day, and at the end of the day, you can't walk. And it's a true story. Like, I, I offered braids at one point. And I, I quickly ate a six day because I was like, I don't know what y'all doing out here. <laughs> yeah. There is no way. I woke up the next morning and I could not walk. Like, literally, I couldn't walk. And I only made, like, $200 off that service. And it was like an eight-hour service. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. And I took it off my menu when I woke up. I was like, this is never happening again, you know? And it kind of, that was like a pivotal moment for me because it made me realize, like, okay, if I feel this way, who else feels this way? And they're just like accepting it because it's the industry standard, quote unquote, right? Uh, but you, there's, there's so many things that you can do when you make more money. And even yourself, you you are be able to take vacations. So like the first time I took off work for like a week, my very first time doing it, right? I actually came to Atlanta um, and I was by my cousin's house, I was chilling the first three days. It was kind of hard because I was used to working, right? But after a while, I was like, oh, this is nice. So when I went back home, I was actually happy to spend money at the store for my clients. I was ecstatic. I was in a good mood, you know, everything. But that's because I was charging more and I was able to take that time off and to reinvigorate myself and not get um, resentful of my craft. And, and it makes things about, right, because you said, uh, I love how you said they can provide a better service to their clients. Because I know for a lot of people that, that that are doing it, if I've talked to different stylists over the years, you know, I've heard many of them say it's therapeutic. Yeah. And it's not just about somebody's hair. It's the conversation, the things I'm pouring into, the conversations we have, and, like, all those things that, that um, happen, right, when somebody's in that seat in your chair. Right. But what I also love when you're talking about that, I was thinking about if they have more money, they can physically create a better experience too. Yes. They can physically have better tools. Yes. They can go to education and classes like yours to physically learn how to become better at their craft. Right? Yeah. And things you can't do when you ain't got the money to do it. Thanks. You know, if they are own a salon, they can make a physically better salon experience. Right. With, right. You know, better furniture, better equipment, better ambiance, like whatever that may be. Right. But you got to have the money first to do all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur, a black business owner, and you don't know where to go, if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to that gets how you feel or gets the pressures of being a business owner in today's climate, guess what we do? I want to introduce you to the Traffic Sales and Profit Mastermind. Now in the TSP Mastermind, we have a 12-month program to help you reach your next Over the course of a year, now along that year, we have one-on-one coaching, we have accountability, we have community, we have live events, everything you need www.trafficsalesandprofit.com. So, like, one of the things is like, and this is just small. This is like super small, right? One of the things that I started implementing with my um clients that get like uh over services over a thousand dollars, right? I started providing them lunch, and that like simple tweak like changed it. They were like so ex they are so excited. They're like, oh my god! And I'm like, well, where are you going to go? I'm like, I'm going to overeat it. Well, what can I get? Anything you want. Like, so I'm like, give them my phone. I'm like, putting your order. Can I have this? Order anything you want. Okay. But before, if you like, if you're so money conscious and you should be money conscious, but not to the point 
to where it takes away from the experience, you know, this $34 or whatever I spend on their food is not going to hurt me. If anything, they appreciate it way more because they're in the salon with me. These transformations take me anywhere between five, depending on the service, between five and 12 hours. You're going to get hungry. Okay. <laughs> You're with me that long. I mean, like the least I can do is provide you lunch. And they appreciate it a lot more. So making more money, like help to gear my mind in that direction. Let me ask you a question. What is the craziest thing somebody's ever ordered for that lunch? Well, the biggest, it might not be crazy, but the biggest. Because y'all in New Orleans, there's a lot of food options in New Orleans. I feel like if somebody just like, let me get that Jimmy John sub, they sell me some short. No, like, they did. So one of them did try that. But I, oh, I don't even want to do Subway. I said, girl, <laughs> if you don't get this on the shrimp pasta. Better you than me. I'd have been like, Subway, okay, let me, I said, you know what, girl, I'll give you the foot long. And treat treat yourself. Give you something. You ain't hungry right now. Take the other six inches home. Listen, <laughs> hey, uh, you got one, t- I'm going to ask you one time. Hey, you sell yourself short. That's on you. But I honestly haven't had anything crazy. For the most part, my clients, they're actually reluctant, to be honest with you, to take advantage of it. Because it's kind of like, I don't want to be that person. You know, and it's like, no, be that person. Like, I just want somebody one time to be like, let me get the lobster. Yeah, lobster. (laughs) You know, the star one. Let me get the snow crab legs, you know what I'm saying? No, I did that one time. I did, I did that to somebody else one time. Like, <laughs> you that person. You didn't be on that person. Guy came in my salon trying to flex, and he was like, I buy everything some for everybody up here, right? And I turned around and I told my client turned around and was like, me too? He was like, yeah, you too. And I turned around and said, look, don't ask us for no money. <laughs> don't ask us for so yeah, we went, we went, we went, uh, we were ordered lobster, we ordered shrimp Alfredo pasta. We went crazy. Uh, yeah. So I'm that person, you know, and I do have some clients that would be that person for somebody else. Okay. But it won't be it for you. Nah, I never liked it. Cause they're just like, to them, it's like, she's providing me this service. You know, I'm, I don't want to, that person, you know, but I, I try to encourage them, like, enjoy yourself. And I also think it's a thing of like, uh, black women not being used to an experience like that. So it's kind of like- It's really a salon. Right. Salon's got to get them. No, yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. <laughs> no. So, so, uh, so back in my younger days, I used to have a lot of hair, right? So, okay. I, used to, I would love to see that. I used to, yeah, I had a lot of hair, braids, I had two, two, I had, I've got to see that. Uh, two shin twists, beeswax, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it. So I would go into, you know, sometimes I get, you know, done to my house, sometimes I would go into a salon. And I got like the salon experience. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, I don't like bar. I didn't like barbershops. I definitely didn't like salon. Not a lot of words. Because barbershops, yeah. You know, he, can I tell you this part? Okay. So, because I'm from an era where you just go into the barbershop, you wait, whatever. Yeah. You know, your person wait, do it. But at the end, um, this is one of the things I stopped. When I still had hair, I stopped going to the barbershop before, before I would start shaving or bald. I uh, just shaved bald. But I was in that era where they started doing the appointment. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, because we're really like younger, like, like back barbershops, they have appointments using that joint. Right. And then I guess, you know, over the years, dudes start getting fancy. You know what I'm saying? They want appointment. <laughs> but I never understood what the point of appointment is if I can't get my hair cut at the time of the appointment. Doesn't make sense. What is the purpose? And then, you know, when I, so, so as I started going to the salons, because I, you know, I had a dope lady that do the hair. And it was dope, right? Because I've, uh, and maybe we can talk about this. Um, I've gone, I've, I've gone to get my hair, you know, braided or whatever done in like a like jc penny salon i've gone to just like hey somebody's personal shop yeah um um but the wait time 
it's crazy, right? Yeah. But but you know, we're talking about paying more or people earning more. Along with that, does it need to be a level of service and an expectation that if I'm paying you these extra dollars, my service and my treatment should be better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Your experience should be better. So like uh if I have a client, right? So like I have a color correction coming up, mm -hmm. right? And that's an hourly service. They pay for that hourly, right? I don't schedule anybody else during that time, right? But you if you if if you're coming to me and paying me X amount of dollars, I want your experience to be stellar because that'll make you come back and spend more money. With Wait, you're not hurting on the shampoo somebody else and get curling somebody else, you know, try to get the kitchen straight over here, somebody then bathroom. And you're like, listen, like I know because <laughs> yeah. it tripped me out. I know a little about the slides, right? Yeah. It tripped me out. They put somebody under their hair dryer. And I'm like, look, you know it don't take that long. <laughs> they know it don't take that long to dry that person's hair, right? Like, oh, just a little bit long. They're like, listen. <laughs> I know it's fire. I know it. I know it about the This person's brain is dry. Yeah. Like, she had no mucus in her brain no more. Yeah. And, and actually, having an assistant helps with all of that, right? So, like, that's a hack. It's an easy thing. But to get an assistant, you need what? Money. 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 And money, you need to be making sure you're charging Enough. appropriate rate. Yeah, so again, yeah. it's still coming back down to it. Making more money. It, it all comes back to it, right? And that's creative ways to pay for assistance. So for a lot of stylists, honestly, it's not that they don't have the money to pay an assistant. They don't track their money. Because it's like, I make money every week. I make money every day. Like, I literally had a barber tell me one time, he made $2,000 the week before, and the next week he was broke. And I was like, but why? So it's not even, so it gives you the ability to not even live paycheck to paycheck. Right. You're living just day to day. Exactly. Or service to service because you figure in your mind money just always coming in. Always coming So in. it probably messes your relationship with money. Absolutely. Because you, it's quick. It's fast, right? You know, back in the day we were doing more cash. Well, I mean, some people still do cash now. They do cash app, Venmo and stuff like that. So it's like you can physically see it, right? And it's like, oh, how many people I got tomorrow? Oh, I could go blow this today. You know, oh, I could go. Because I can all make it back tomorrow. Right. I got, next week, you know, I'm, I'm good, right? Even if I'm full, I can just call somebody and say, hey, I got a spot. Or I'm trying to get a couple more heads or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's actually a great point. It does mess with your relationship with money. Yeah. But to be quite honest with you, I never had I never had the mentality that more money was going to be there. And I don't know if it's, uh, um, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you go through a, a, a long time where things ain't doing what they're supposed to do right so when i actually started to make money it was like okay we got to figure out how to keep more of this and not just blow it because it's easy to blow it in the salon right um we're in new orleans so got people i don't know if it's like this everywhere but you got the pie man that coming there he's selling gumbo he's selling jambalaya i think it wears black he's like <laughs> <laughs> they come in selling corsets one time i had a they come in selling detergent listen one time People gotta watch their calls too. They, 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 they. She was like, I got some gallons in the car. You want some? I'm like, I'm good. I got friends in Costco. Lady, like, I'm good. <laughs> Are you still in the churches? <laughs> like, um, but they come in there and they sell everything, right? So and you have the money right there. Like, oh, I'm good. I could buy this. I could buy this. But not realizing those little things add up. There's your assistant money yes. right there. You keep spending it every day, right? Because when I first got an assistant, I wasn't even paying hourly. I was paying like $10, $10 a head. It wasn't even much at all. You know, but they was happy to do it because they were just out of school and everything. It was some money. But they're also, so help, like, they're also helping you, I would imagine, not elevate the level absolutely. of experience. Because like I said, that person, they just sitting over there right. for an extra 45 minutes waiting for just get your attention because they got somebody's attention. 
and they allow you probably to even process more people, which is going to make you more money in the end. Right. It's kind of like spend money to get money. Absolutely. All over it. Because it's like, I think the longest any of my clients have ever had to wait was like 15 minutes. That's about it. Um, but for the most part, we start on time. Like, you get there. If Even if I had seven people, I remember one, one day, one Saturday, because I started at 7 a.m. on Saturday. One Saturday, we had like seven people, and it was all out by like 1 p.m. Because all I had to do was stand behind the chair, and she was doing the shampoo and the washing. Um, she was even, I didn't even trade it to the point where she was blow dried, right? Um, so she would do all of that. They would come to me, and they would get like the major stuff, their color, their style, all of that good stuff. I mean, assistants, they just changed the game for you because I ain't even taught her how to silk press. Like, it got to the point where I did a, I was doing color, and I was like, you going to finish her? She's like, yeah, peace out. Like, I'm going home, you know? But even that, I bought my time back so I could spend time on, like, my education, my classes, uh, studying stuff, learning new things. So it buys back your time in more than one way. It sounds like the same thing with any type of business, right? right. It's like moving out of that solopreneur mentality yep. of, like, hey, it's just me. It's going to be me. But, hey, how can I build teams that allow me to then, you know, go beyond just myself right. and what my own two hands can do and just the time I have in a day because right. now you're multiplying time. Right. Um, there's even a stylist uh, here that I'm friends with. She She's not behind her chair anymore. She's actually she retired, got her own product line. My girl living her best life. But at the time that she was behind the chair, uh, she was charging like $300 for a silk press, but she had two assistants working with her every single day. And she only worked three days out the week, but she was jam-packed every day. And her customer experience was great. My cousin actually went to her, and she was like, people would be running to get in her chair, like running. But she had two people helping her. So, I mean, I don't know her exact numbers, but based on what she's telling me, your girl had it down. (laughs) (laughs) She had it down. And she only did silk presses. That take an hour, hour and a half. So $300 in an hour, an hour and a half, and you have multiple people and two people helping you. Yeah. It's like a no-brainer. So it's making great money and without having to do a ton of work right. in the process. Right. I want to ask you rapid fire on a few questions about this. A few things I've seen online and things like that. Um, for one, we talked about them being able to charge more to do it. Can you give me an example of, hey, a lot of times, you know, for this type of style, I see a lot of stylists charging this, but really they should be charging that. Gotcha. Okay, so like, for example, uh, let's use Silk Press as an example, right? Because a lot of people do that. Like, people might be charging $65 for it, right? You could easily charge... $160 for it if you just add retail products to it. Instead of trying to force the customer to buy the retail products, like try to convince them at checkout, just, just include it with it. It is what it is. Just the package of what it is. Because you're going to need to take care of your hair. Yep, after this. No matter what, right? Right. To increase the experience longevity, yep. care, whatever you need to take care of it, and this is what I recommend. Yep. And they're going to trust you because you're the person that's the expert. Right, because you're also explaining to them, like, if you can come in here and spend this money with me, but if you go home and you ruin it, then you're working against me. So if you just package it up and just give it to them, it takes the thought out of it. It takes the thought process out of, oh, I need to buy these expenses. You know, you don't even have to wrestle with that. You just give it to them. I love that. I got You got one more you can give me? That's- um, I tips, and I'm only using this because I just had a class and I had to, like, get on one of my students about our prices. I tips is, like, individual strands of hair. That's an extension method, right? And it takes a good... Six, seven hours to install. She was charging like five twenty-five, and I was like, "Sis, no, uh, 
you need to be charging at least a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars for that because of the amount of time uh, it takes. Yes. The time that it takes. Um, and on top of that, everybody doesn't do that. So it's like the more exclusive it is, the more the more you can make. Isn't isn't it? So like if you're charging five twenty five for ad tips, you undercharging like crazy. You should at least be charging between a thousand and fifteen hundred for it. Let me ask you so most stylists and salons niche down. Yes. Yes. For that reason, because they'll get some more money. But you can get some more clientele. And you can get great at something That's and good. you can increase the demand for that thing. So like I know what people come to me for. They come to me for cuts, they come to me for color, and they come to me for extensions, right? The natural hair thing, yeah, they do. They they come to me for that, but that's not what catches their attention. Mostly it's the color that catches their attention, right? And because I've put that at the forefront, like, constantly, it's like I know there aren't that many black colorists out there that actually know what they're doing. I'm fully aware of that. So, like, I keep throwing that out there. So if you find something that you're really, really good at, you should niche down and focus on it. That's good. All right. Um, let me ask you this, right? We're talking about increasing prices. How do the customers react? Because I know a lot of people watch like, that sound good. But my customer's been getting that silk press for $65. <laughs> but I tell them the price, what, like, have you gone through that? Like, when you raise your prices? And, and is it, and, or when you tell people that, because you work with a lot of people that you mm-hmm. coach, when you tell them that and they raise the prices, do the customers revolt? Is it just like, hey, you're just going to get some new customers? Like, what does that normally look like? How's it play? They actually don't revolt. I've only had one person ask me, well, why you increase your prices? And I didn't even really, if I'm being honest, I didn't even really explain it to her. I was just like, she's like, well, what happened? Who did something? I was like, nobody did anything. <laughs> Who did something? <laughs> exactly what she said. Who did something? Like, nobody did anything. Okay, it was just time to go up. But that was the only time um, I've had that issue. My students, they say they've lost some clientele, but it's not drastic. If anything, they've gained better clientele, right? Um. And this is just like a, it's probably my first time saying this, right? Because I don't really, you are now locked in. Hell, come, come back to me. You are now locked in to a TSP show exclusive. Go. So one of the ways that you can increase your prices and your clients not feel it is just take a deposit, right? So if I go up on my price right by like $400, because I, I literally went up, like this is a real life example. I went up from doing haircuts for $50 to $350. Like, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Click. <laughs> Change the price. Um, when they have to do a deposit, so like I gave them the new total, and it was like, oh, it's 350 I said, yeah, but only 30% due today. Oh, okay. Here you go. So break them down into smaller chunks. Break it down. So it just hurt. It's like just hurt when it's that one big right. payment. Right. You don't have to come and, like, pay me this right now. Even my higher ticket stuff, like, your initial payment is 50% down. So let's say your total is $1,200, like, down is 600 Initial payment being the time that they book or the time that you do it? The time that they book. Oh. The, the, they, so they pay, but then that's for new clients. So my new clients pay 50% down. My current clients, I actually, if there's a higher ticket thing, I actually give them a three-payment breakdown. I'm like, look, we can break this down if you don't want to pay it all right now. Okay, cool. It hurts less. Yeah. When you, when, but they're still getting the service they want, and they don't feel like they've been, like, knocked over the head. But what I also realized is you... If you're paying that, no matter how many payments I break it down, the price is the price, you understand the value of this. So you're willing to pay it. I don't have to fight you on it, if that makes sense. And then it helps you to uh, kind of even even drill down the type of client that you want, to be honest with you. When you start realizing, okay, if I do this, then they'll do, you know, if I charge like this, they'll do this. They're okay with it. And I also tell my students, most people are not mad at your prices. 
they're mad because y'all spending prices on them. If you told me it was $100 and then we would get to checkout, and you're like, yeah, it's going to have to be 200 more. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yep. Yep. I would be like, so where is 200 coming from, right? So contrary to popular belief, right? So like my pricing posts, always get the girls going. Always, yeah. right? Contrary to popular belief, these people are fully aware of what they're paying for before they pay for it. Like they don't come in and I'm like, yeah. So I got to charge you an extra thousand dollars. like that. Yeah, they go well out of town. I sit them down in a consultation. We talk about it. I run it down to them. I show them the price. I show them what's due to date. And they're like, cool, here's the credit card. How much do you think, because you're a beast on social, how much do you think um, social media factors in, and not just you, but just, you know, anybody in the profession, factors in how much they can charge or not charge? Like, like should everybody be using social and then that factor into what they can Definitely should be using social. I think it does have an impact in perception of people. That I do, right? But I think we both know you can see somebody online, they got a huge following, then you go in the experience, it's horrible, and you just like, they got me. <laughs> I'm not going back. You know, that's all cute and stuff, but <laughs> that service, the, the, the match, it wasn't, the, it wasn't together, it wasn't matching. So I tried to match the customer experience with online. And to be honest with you, I was actually, when I first started pro- posting during a pricing post, I was actually a little worried um, that it was going to deter people. Um, but it actually did. Like, it act like the people that come in, they come in fully ready to pay whatever, right? Like, I didn't know what they were going to do, but my whole point of starting it was because I wanted to help my community out. Um, because I learned that, you know, the I, I've, I've learned from every culture under the sun, Asian, white, Hispanic. Like, I've, I have hairstylist friends in every race, right? But when I was working for a color company, um, I was the only black girl, right? And so I never forget, I was at a show and it was a $7,000 bowl, right? People were like walking up to the bowl and just buying it. And I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We do the same thing. Something's not right. This mad not mad. <laughs> Y'all just whipping out credit cards all winning. And I'm looking at the price like, I don't know about that, brother. This is nice. But I don't know about this, right? So then I started picking the brain of my coworkers and being like, okay, what are you charging? What are you charging? What are you charging? And that's when I realized that like there was a cultural disconnect. In the price. In the price. There's a cultural disconnect. Because, see, any other race is willing to learn, like most races want to learn textured hair from me. Our people want to learn color from me, but they're not willing to go to the other people, other folks to learn it, right? So they just want to stick with me. Right, or whoever looks like them, right. but it's doing them harm because you don't get exposed to the other side of the fence to see, like, look, a five hundred service shouldn't be like a hundred dollars. Like you're getting messed over. So that was one of the reasons that I started doing the price impulse to bring awareness to the fact, like, there's a brown girl that looks like y'all that is charging X amount of in because it's really gatekept. It's like it's a lot of gatekeeping in my industry, and I don't know why. You know, I just I just got here. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? But there's a lot of gatekeeping. Um, and there's this idea that we can't charge X amount of dollars, right? So that's kind of like where the price impulse came from. But it, it, like I said, it didn't deter people. People actually come in ready to pay. So it worked in my favor. I love it. What What are some of, uh, for people that are watching and maybe style so salon owners, 
um, either one, what's some of the biggest misconceptions they have that's holding them back from growing a larger business? One, that people won't pay their prices. That's the hugest thing. Two, education should be like $5. You know, um, I, I actually, in my online trainings and my virtual trainings, um, I share uh, during my webinars what I spend in education for the business, period. I ain't just talking about skills. I'm talking about like for the business itself to learn. Which, but even for the skills part, for me, that's wild because in every industry, you cannot necessarily get direct return on investment. But that is an industry where you can. Right. Like if I literally go and learn how to do this style, right. I can go back to my chair and start doing that style tomorrow. Right. And literally making more money. You know, like right. everything don't match up directly like that. But in that field, literally like, hey, if I'm coming to learn color from your color class, I can go back and start start either doing a service I previously didn't have or charging more because I'm better at the service than I was before I left to take the, take the training. Right. I think it's a cultural thing to be honest. Like, to me, it all goes back to culture, right? Because for the most part, like, this isn't supposed to be a career for us, right? It's like somebody, somebody, auntie, mama, uncle's baby mama's mama. Right. Cousin Kiki know how to do this, quote unquote, know how to do this, right? She only charged $150 for some color, right? So they they don't understand the difference and the the experience and all of that makes a difference, right? So when they see a price tag, let's say a class is, I don't know, $1,500, $2,000, right? It's like, why? Why is this class? Like, there's this misconception that why should it be that much, why should it be that much right? Now they realize that, hey, I take that class and I could make an extra three to $500 per head. Per head. Every time I touch my head and I might be doing one of those a day. Right. You have Exactly. So so in my first week, I could make the return on the class back. Right. Realizing, hey, I'll immediately make my money back that week, but then I have the skills so I make more money every week. Right. Forever. Forever. Literally. From that point on. Nobody can take anything that I know from me. Like, because I know it, right? But I also think it goes back to money management. Right? You look at the price, you look at your money that week. You don't look at your money for the month. Just, just for the week. Yeah. Just for the week. You're like, oh, it's kind of steep. It's like, sis, you just dropped like 3K on the trip. Like, you know, and that's not doing nothing for you but having fun. You know, like, what about investing in your education? Um, So I, 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 it's the perception. It's the perception of it. And you're absolutely right because I asked that same question too. Like, it's immediate return. Why wouldn't you just go ahead and do it? It's, it goes back to money management. Like, you don't think you have it, but you actually have it, but you ain't managing your money right. So, yeah. All right. Any other misconceptions? Mm, let me see. Uh, definitely that, well, this is a huge one. That consultation should be free. That consultation should be free. So it should be charged. They should absolutely be charged for consultation. So when I started charging for my consultation, I actually got the idea from a doctor. Um, I realized, like, some doctors. Does the doctor charge you? Yeah. Or do you solve No, because he charged. <laughs> and he's like, hold up. What part of the game is this? Right. <laughs> $100 consultation. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, conversation should be free. It shouldn't be free, right? Because then after him, I started looking at myself like a doctor, and I was like, wait a minute. You're coming to me for something, you know, and if I just jump in your head, this is like a whole circle, right? If I just jump in your head, I've never looked at your head. I've never talked to you. We are about to be here longer than I want to be because I don't know what you need. I don't know what you like. I don't know what you do at home. I don't know what you have in your hair right now. So now I'm going to spend like an hour figuring that part out 
You know, because you probably saw something online and you come in expecting me to give you that, right? I had a lady walk in one time with a picture of me and said, hey, make me look like this. And I told her, I can't. I can't. It's literally, we don't have the same hair, right? So that was another light bulb moment for me. I was like, you need to be doing consultations, right? And charging for them because also, if you don't book with me, I'm not mad. I got my money. Yeah. If you do you got something for your time, yeah. So you got you have the transaction trade for time. So. Exactly. I'm not sitting around with you for like the other day. I literally had a two hour consultation, but I wasn't mad because I got compensated for my time. Now she ended up booking and everything, so it was cool. But if right now, it still would have been cool. It still would have been cool, but it also gives the client enough time to see if you're a good fit. You know, if y'all actually, it, you could get a feel for her. She can get a feel for you and see if she actually even likes the atmosphere. So it's like a whole ecosystem it all comes full circle it's time it's money and it's being able to give the client the customer experience that they want that's so good that's so good um any anything like like for you what you see on social would rouse the audience up the most besides pricing because the pricing i know is, is the main thing um when i tell people things that youtube told them was okay what's wrong let's go let's go a quick hit a couple of the biggest YouTube misconceptions. Oh, God, coconut oil. Monistat. Yeah, that's a wild one. My, I'm talking about, like, the Monistat. Yeah. I, 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 like, I didn't think that was a hair product. No, like, it's not. Uh, uh, okay, so I was thinking about mine, like, like it is, I didn't it, think that was a hair product. No, I, 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 I got to that later. That you think I'm talking about. Uh, food in here, using eggs, using avocado, using salads, lettuce, anything else under the sun. Lemons, right? Live everything under the sun. Rice water. Oh my God, rice water. Rice water. People wanted to massacre me. They were like, women in India use rice water. And I was like, but they're not using Uncle Ben's. <laughs> like real rice out the field. He's Googling it, right? Sound like that General Mills rice. <laughs> like the Dollar Tree rice. <laughs> like, oh, I'm about to get this. You you pouring like butter. It just, it just drives me. But. It's crazy, right? They're like, but a YouTuber told me, I said, y'all do realize people edit videos, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she could have used a video from a while ago right. and waited till her hair grew some more, like, did it years? I never even thought about that, yeah. Yeah, then a year later, and then put it together and say rice watered it. And you're, and you're like fighting, not just me, but lots of professionals in general, um, that rice water works, and we're like, y'all, it, it It's not, first of all, it's not necessary. Secondly, it does not, that's not chemistry. That's not science. Oh, that's another thing that gets the girls going, science. And I don't know why they hate it. Science, <laughs> <laughs> they hate scientific facts. Like, so even like breaking down the food thing, like telling them like the molecules in food aren't large enough to penetrate the hair strap, shaft, so it's just sitting on top of it. They just like, they don't want to hit it, right? Blue magic grease, that's another one. They get them going. Because, you know, they night magic go back, no. Blue magic ancestors with blue magic. Blue magic go back. I want to say, they like, oh, that worked for my mom. That worked for my grandma. I just didn't know no better, you know, like explaining the blue magic thing. You know, I always got somebody commenting, I use blue magic in my hair. Go like crazy. I'm <laughs> like, I promise you that's not true. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the YouTube stuff, traditional stuff. Things that have been part of our culture, 
Yeah, it just blows them out of the water. Yeah, it's good. I, I can definitely see that cultural piece because, like yeah. you said, it's like gener- it's like really generational. Yeah, and and I think, um, and I don't know, you know, you expert, tell me wrong, but I, I think really until, um, you know, I feel like last few years has been a lot of new creative products in the marketplace. Yeah, where people just kind of make their own product and then boom, instead of marketing, get it there. Right, I always want the gatekeepers gone, gatekeepers gone, but but previously, like this new era. I feel like a lot of what people were using was stuff, like you said, it's generational. Yeah. I mean, is that what you saw? Like, like, hey, like I said, like this is my mama used on me. Yeah. And it just was like, cause cause I guess, and I don't know, right? Like I said, you ask correct me wrong. But up until like maybe this last decade or so, last 10, 15 years, it was not a whole lot of new products coming into the market. Fact. Fact. It was like those old school Star Wars yeah. that like it's been there forever. Right, right. <laughs> old school stuff. But I, I also try to explain to people, like, we were children, first of all. We were children, and our mothers had control of our hair, right? They put our hair a certain way, and we leave it like that. We weren't in it. We weren't, like, abusing it and trying to do color and do all this other stuff. That's true. Yeah, we weren't, like, we didn't really have a choice on whether we was going to wear our hair out, right? So when you're talking about wear your hair out and you want it to look, like, flowy and all of the stuff... That stuff doesn't work. And then we have the time piece where we got into the natural hair community. And the natural hair community was like, oh, stop using shampoo and stop using this and stuff like that because it was drying our hair out because it wasn't meant for us, right? Now, we didn't know about the professional products that were available. All we knew about was like the consumer mainstream stuff that we saw, right? Um, So our moms were using Blue Magic, but they were also using hard shampoos to get the Blue Magic out. So it balances itself off, right? We want to use Blue Magic, but we don't want to use the shampoo. Right. That mad don't man, right? And then you get to the stage now where you say, like, a lot of new products are launching. People saying, oh, this is sulfate-free and stuff like that. It's not that it's not. Uh, but when people are looking for something, they tend to, like, go and try everything, right, until they get it right, right? So then when they try to go back to the old school stuff, the blue magic and stuff, but it doesn't work the same because you don't want those results. You don't want pigtails. You You want it to move. You want it to have fun. (laughs) That don't work. (laughs) You know, so it's just, it's a whole shift that I think a lot of people haven't realized. But I also think it's a lack of education. And that's another thing that I get on my students a lot. I'm like, look, we can't be mad at YouTubers because, first of all, I was one of them people y'all hated. I tell them that all the time. Yeah. I'm one of them people y'all hated. It wasn't intentional. My bad. Okay, but I know better now because I've been on both sides of the fence. I said, but y'all wasn't showing up. Hairstylists weren't educating. Y'all was just getting mad at the people who was. Y'all wasn't showing up. So I tell my students, like, if you want to change the narrative, if you want to get better clients, educate them on what you know. And I'm not telling you you have to start a whole uh, school or nothing like that. Just make, just like you post on Instagram about everything else. Make some educational content to get the people in the right mindset so when they come to you, you don't have to fight as hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You just kind of weed it out and indoctrinating them and, basically. and qualifying them before they even get to it. Basically, yeah. I love it. All right, I want to wrap with this. If there's one message you could give, and you can actually even look right in the camera this. One message you can give, right, it's, it's a professional just watch this. You've inspired them doing this talk. And they're like, okay, I'm I'm motivated and I want to move forward. What's the first thing they should do? I would say to evaluate your customer experience. That's the first part. Start with the customers you have. Try to improve on their experience and then take it from there. 
um, invest in education. Um, and as a good friend, um, Andy Enriquez said, Char, invest at the level that you expect results. So when you do see something that you want to invest in, don't have, do your research, but don't hesitate, right? And start giving your customers the experience they need so you can get the output that you're looking for. I love it, right? And if you want that, that Andy Enriquez episode is here on the to show the profit <laughs> show, right? So make sure you go back in the catalog and listen to that. This has been amazing. How can people find you? How can they connect with you uh, for anything, right? For um, the trainings, for if they want to become a client um, in the salon, if they want to, um, you know, just follow you on social media. How can they, how can they connect? So you guys can connect with me at strawberrycurls.com. And I'm very active on Instagram at strawberrycurls with an I, not a Y. Um, I have my booking and the link in my bio. My classes are in the link in my bio. Everything is in the link in my bio on Instagram. And it's literally plastered over YouTube, too. All right, y'all. So you go. You've heard it from one of the best, right? Hundreds of thousands of people follow this young lady as she's dropping game, sharing her actual expertise. And now she's teaching other people how to do it. So if you want to learn how to make more money, how to, uh, you know, better your craft, um, how to become a high level or professional you already are, right? Get the tools, invest in education. Like she said, she can actually provide you with the education so you can go out here and make more money doing the work that you love to do. So then you can provide a better experience for your customers. This is another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. My name is Lamar Tyler. I'm your host, and I'll see you next week with another amazing guest. Peace. The Combo, your home for conversations on Black entrepreneurship and wealth. Available on your favorite platforms.